Let's get our Bibles out this morning. Let's hold them up. This is God's Word for me today. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 139. I'm going to just read the first few verses to start with. Psalm chapter 139, verses 1 through 6. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, ooh, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Lord, this morning, <coughs> I just ask that your word would sink deep into us today. Help us to see through your eyes. Help us, Lord, to know your will. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, the world, because of the enemy, wants us to see things a certain way. Now, man, when your wife comes in and she's tried a new hairstyle, you got to be real careful, don't you? When she says, well, do you like my hair? you got to be real careful, both with how you say it and the look on your face, right? Can I, can I get an amen there? And, and, and we got to realize that sometimes when we look in the mirror, we may not get an accurate reflection of what we actually look like. And too often in life, that's kind of the way we go through life. We, we, we don't have a, a real good view of what life is like or what we're really looking at. And this morning, I want us to understand that, that the Lord God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And He sees us differently than we see ourselves most times. Maybe, maybe we see ourselves as really, really good. God looks at us and says, wait a minute, dude. You need to, you know. Or sometimes... Sometimes, and I don't know why, we see ourselves as so low down here. We're so invaluable. We're so not worthy of, of anything. We're, we're, so, we're so not good enough. And God's looking at us and says, what is wrong with you? I have created you to be something. And if I have created you to be something, who are you to say otherwise? Who are you to say you're unfit? for my service when I have created you for that. And so this morning we really need to take a step back sometimes and find out how God looks at us. And when we do that, we can truly maybe find out the value that we have to God. Because the devil wants you to think that you have no value. He wants you to think you have no value in the church. He wants you to think you have no value in the kingdom. He wants you to think you have no value in your home. He wants you to think you're of zero value. We talked a little bit about value Wednesday night and, and some of the crazy things that are out there today and this Bitcoin thing that Jared talked about and uh, all that crazy stuff. But it's all about value. 
When you go to buy or sell a car, how much is that car worth? <laughs> it depends on which side of the table you're on, right? If you're selling it, it's really valuable. If you're buying it, it's not so much. And many times the devil plays that game with us. Many times the devil plays that game in our life. He tries to make us think that we're of no value and God's sitting at the other side of the table saying, wait a minute. He doesn't know anything about value. He traded in heaven for hell. He don't know about value. We need to begin to look at the value God places on us, not the value of the enemy, not the value of the world, not the value of our neighbor but on the, the value that God places on us. You see, one of the things that God wants us to see is His awareness of us. This verse of Scripture, we read it, that first verse, it says, Oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. Our Lord knows us. It's not a casual, oh yeah, I remember that name from 20 years ago. Or, I, oh yeah, I went to school with them in kindergarten. But He knows you. He knows everything about you. That should make us scared. He knows. He knows what it took to get you at church, to church this morning. He knows how hard it was to get out of bed. My daughter called me this morning and she said, Dad, we're, we're going to turn around and go back home. They're driving. They've taken a new position at a church and they've they got to drive like, I don't know, an hour and a half to church or whatever. And she said, it's snowing down here. So we're going to have to turn back. They haven't run the plows yet. She got home. She said, we're going to go to this such and such church. Well, then she texted me later and said, well, they canceled church. So I guess we won't go anywhere. And, and, and God knows all that. He knows our heart's desire, whether or not we wanted, you know, maybe some of you were sitting at home last week saying, whew, I'm sure glad I didn't have to go to church today. And, and hopefully most of you were like, oh man, I wanted to be in church today. Because God, God knows our heart. He knows us. He knows the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs. You see, we are not, just a statistic to God. We are not just a number. You know, every year, every pastor in the Assemblies of God has to fill out a report. It's called the ACMR. I can't even remember what it stands for. It's the ACMR. <laughs> and I have to write down what our average attendance was and, and how many men and how many women and how many boys and how many girls and and it's a, it's a statistical thing. And it's an important document. It just kind of tells the health of the, the fellowship. And that's okay. And I don't mind. You know, it's okay. But in God's eyes, we're not a statistic on a piece of paper. We're not a whether or not, whether or not you know, they went to church five times this year or 50 times this year. We are somebody that God is aware of. We are somebody that God hears and listens to and pays attention to. We are somebody. He has an awareness of us that, that nobody else can. Even our spouses can't know where we're at all the time. Even our spouses can't, can't tell what we're feeling all the time. Even though I know most of us guys are pretty good about sharing our feelings with our wives. Um, there are probably times they don't know exactly how we're feeling, right? But he knows. 
He has an awareness of us that if we will get in tune with that, if we will understand that, we would be able just to let it go to him and, and we would be able just to have that conver tough conversation many times that we need to have with him. You see, we, we can't even imagine the things God cares about in our little finite minds. God cares about us. Another thing that we need to think about with our God is His availability. Verse 7 in this same chapter says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You see, God is available. He's not like the gods that the world worships. He's not like money that may be here and maybe not. He's not like our furnace that worked and then doesn't. He's not like the things of this world that, that break down and even like our bodies when they get old and they get, they get weak and they fail us. Our God will never be that way. He is always available. In the middle of the night at 2 a.m. if you need to cry out to Him, He's available. He doesn't have an answering machine that says call back because I'm closed. Or He doesn't farm it out to some foreign country. He's available. Many times I don't think we realize the God that we really serve and how He just wants you to connect with Him. No matter when, no matter where, He wants you to connect with Him. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua is just getting ready to take over the children of Israel. He didn't realize the headache he was just about to inherit. But God says, listen, Joshua, just like I was with Moses, just like I helped Moses to defeat the things that he faced, just like I helped Moses to part the Red Sea, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. But I can, can I tell you something this morning? He would stand here with you and call out your name. Lamont, I will never leave you. Rick, I will never leave you. Christine, I will never leave you. He's available. You see, sometimes we get this, we get this picture of God as some faraway thing. Well, there's God way off there. And we forget God is way off there. But He's right here. He's available. And He wants you, He wants you to reach out to Him. He wants you to call out to Him. He wants you to grab a hold of Him. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be the first call when there's a problem. He wants to be the first call when there's a celebration. He's available to each one of us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. 
as Jesus was getting ready to depart, he's talking about what he wants them to do. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus is just getting ready to ascend up into heaven. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the walking on the earth is about to all come to an end. And when he goes, you know, he finishes his statement about the Great Commission there. But he finishes that statement with, you don't have to do this alone. I have called you to do things. I have, I have, I have set it in motion for you to do things, but... You don't have to worry about doing it alone. I wouldn't do that to you. He says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He says, he said, I, in other scripture, I will send you the comforter. You won't do it alone. When you get up in the morning, you're not getting up alone. He's with you. When you lay your head, head to bed at night, you don't have to do it alone because he's with you. You see, that's, that's the harder part about seeing people that walk away from the Lord. Manasseh's dad was a great king who turned to the Lord and, and, and who set a great example, and Manasseh turned away. You and I all know of people in that very same boat. We know good Christian parents, and I think that was great what my wife felt the Lord lay on her heart this morning because we all, we all know good Christian parents who have seen one or more of their children turn away from the Lord. And it, it, it breaks our heart because, because they, they at one point knew uh, God. They at one point recognized that God was with them, but for some reason, they chose to walk away from that. It's for some reason, they chose to follow other things. Jesus said, I am with you always, in every circumstance, in every situation, in every trial. I just, I just have to wonder why, why are we so easily persuaded to run after something else when we go through a trial? Why are we so easily persuaded when, when times get tough to abandon our faith and step into something else? We've got to have faith in something, right? Evidently, we're, we have faith in this because we're walking away from our faith in God to, to go after it. Many times, teenage, ch teenagers... They walk away from their faith because this boyfriend or this girlfriend is so much more important than church. It's more important than their faith. Many times, kids get so wrapped up in sports that that takes all their time and they walk away from their faith because, well, this is what I need to do for now. One of the statements that somebody I care about very much made when I was a teenager. Well, when I get married and have kids, I'll start going back to church. Just don't need it now. Well, let's see, that's been 40 years. Hasn't happened yet. Kids are grown and out of the house. Still away from faith. Why is that? When God is there, God is available, God is... is his. All we have to do is grab a hold of him and accept him. And yet, so often. Another thing that we want to see about God is how awesome he is for making me. How awesome. 
we're so complex. And I'm not talking about, you know, <laughs> drama. Our bodies are so complex. The intricate workings of, of every part of our bodies, our eyes and our ears and, and, and our mouth. Well, that doesn't work so good sometimes. But, but everything that God implanted in us, he, he, he was so awesome in his design. He, he worked so diligently to make sure everything was so good. Verse 13 of this psalm says, For you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. See, another lie that the devil wants to tell you is you're not wonderfully made by God. Well, you're overweight. Or you're too short or you're too tall, or you're bald. Nothing wrong with that. God only made a few perfect heads. The rest he put hair on, right? <laughs> the devil wants to lie to you and tell you that you're not so fearfully and wonderfully made. He wants you to doubt God's design in your life. I'm going to tell you, God made you. I'm not saying we don't let ourselves go a little bit and not exactly what God wants. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is never let the devil tell you you're anything less than God's creation. Never let the devil lie to you and tell you that you are some thing that God didn't intend. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we need to get that down inside of us so we understand that God created us for a special purpose. It wasn't just the things that we tend to see in life, but there's something God created us for that's so awesome. A little bit about the human body. The average human heart pumps over a thousand gallons a day. The old ticker gets a workout, doesn't it? A thousand gallons a day, and it never stops beating. It beats, on an average, 2.5 billion times in your lifetime. God made that. God made that heart and designed it so it would pump that blood. So that would your body would work. Another thing about God is He has an agenda for us. God has a plan for us. Verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. God created you for a purpose. The devil doesn't want you to fulfill that purpose. He don't even want you to recognize you have a purpose. But God says, I created you for a reason. I put you on this earth for a purpose. And if you don't understand that, you'll never realize the purpose God has for your life. You may settle for something great. You may settle for being an astronaut or a, or a, a, a famous doctor. You may settle for something less than 
God's complete purpose for your life. So it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter what your occupation. Don't settle for just that. I'm not saying, oh, quit your job. No. I'm saying beyond that. Beyond where you work and beyond what you do in life, God's got a purpose that's bigger than that. While you're doing that, you can be doing the other purpose as well. While you're living your life, doing, the, the, doing your job, you can be used in God's purpose to minister to people's lives. You may run across people in your job and have an opportunity to minister to them that, that nobody else is going to have. Don't think that no matter what it is, God can't use you. We're right where you're at. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I've been reading in Jeremiah my personal study at home, and man, it is tough to be a prophet of God. <laughs> Whew! It is tough to speak the truth. Just ask Jeremiah. But Jeremiah says in chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. The Lord says, I have plans for you. And the devil would tell you, you're a mess. God doesn't have any good plan for you, or else what, why would you be where you're at? I'm telling you, I don't. it doesn't matter what the devil tells you. The Bible tells you, God wants to tell you, he has a plan for you. The last thing I want us to see this morning is his acceptance for us. Oh, in verse 19, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malice intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do not I hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, we are not worthy, but we are accepted. Heard that from one of my brothers in the band of brothers. We will never be worthy. We're not trying to attain worthiness. What we need to realize is He accepts us. Yes, are we supposed to clean our lives up? and Are we supposed to change when we get saved? Yeah, we should show a change. But what we need to understand is and when we come to Him and we say, Lord, I'm a sinner, He accepts us regardless of our past, regardless of our sin, He accepts us. And I like the Scripture, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. <laughs> Here he's saying, don't just, don't just look at my outward appearance. Don't just look at me that I came to church. Don't just look at how much money I put in the offering. Don't just look at, at, at how many volunteer things I've done. He says, search my heart. What's in here, God? I want you to get in here and I want you to do a little bit of deep searching. And my thoughts... God, get inside my head and search my thoughts because I want them to be pleasing to you. 
If there's things there, God, that I need to change, help me to change them. If there's things in my heart, God, that I need to, to, to clean up, help me to clean them up. You see, because in his acceptance of us, he gives us, us that desire to be more like him. He gives us that desire to, to see things the way he sees things. He gives us that desire to follow him a little closer. He gives us that desire to be more like him. So this morning, as we close, I ask you this question, how do you see yourself? And I wonder, do you see yourself the same way God sees you? Because I, I really doubt that in fullness we do. And I also wonder, where do you find your self-worth? Is it in the amount of money you made last year? When you get your uh, thing at the end of the year, do you look at that and say, well, I guess I just ain't very valuable? Or your life, you look at your life and your, your, your re relationship with Jesus Christ and you think, man, God, you are awesome. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for helping me to see who I am in you. Not that I've achieved anything great except for the fact that I'm just your child. And if I'm a child of the king, I'm a prince. And that's something good. I don't care what I've done. I'm a child of the king. Let the word of God and let God himself help you to see who you are in him. Let this year... 2018 be a year when you set out on a quest to be all you can be for God. Find out just exactly how God, how much God loves you and accepts you, how much He cares for you, how much He has a plan for your life, and may this be a year when we explode in our community. May this be a year when we see more people come to know Jesus Christ because we, His people, have found out just exactly what God thinks about us. We're his children this morning. Bow your heads, if you will. Lord, as we close this morning, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. And Lord, if there's one here this morning who hasn't accepted you as Lord and Savior, may today they realize that you want them to come to you. You want to have a relationship with them. You gave your life for them that they could have relationship. And may today be the day when they make that decision. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I would just ask you that if you're here and you would say, Pastor, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I have not asked Him to forgive me of my sins. And today I want to do that. I want to leave this place with my sins forgiven. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to help you find that relationship that Jesus Christ so longs to have with you. There'd be one morning that would say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. This morning as well, I, I want you to just, I want you to be honest with God. And, and if this morning you're sitting here and you, you, you're just gonna, you just want to be honest, say, God, I haven't fully grasped who I am in you, but this year, I want to 
under, both understand who I am, and I want to begin to do what you've called me to do in this year. I want you to just raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning in the close of time. Yes. Thank you for your honesty this morning. Why don't we stand? Lord, this morning as we close this time of prayer, I, I thank you for your spirit who leads us. And God, for those this morning who might be here that just they just feel like they have a weight on their life, I pray this morning that they would just turn that weight over to you. There's anyone here this morning, Lord, that needs to give their life to you, that needs to ask for forgiveness, God, this morning, may we do that with our heart, Lord, with, with a heartfelt conviction of, of, of how we feel that we're sorry for our sin. And Lord, for those this morning who just, who just need to see themselves as you see them and, and, and take those steps down that path to fully live out the plan and the purpose you have for their lives, God, may today be that day. May today be that day when we start that journey. And may we never look back. And may we never fear about the future, but know that you are leading us. You are the engine. We are the caboose. We'll follow you wherever you lead us. Lord, go with us today with your grace and your mercy, your protection and your strength. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.